Welcome to the official podcast of the Sydney Cricket Ground. Subscribe now to make sure you don't miss an episode and let us know who you want to hear from next. Well, it was way back in uh, wartime and um, the family had just moved from Jugeong, where my father was a school teacher, up to Parramatta and um, we lived at Sutherland Road there and did for many, many years. And my father taught at Burnside School. And in the holidays, the school holidays, in um, the 1939-40 season, he said to me that uh, he was going to take me out to the Sydney Cricket Ground to see the match between New South Wales and South Australia because Bradman would be playing. And I'd just heard Bradman play on big cries of the radio down in Jugeong and uh, the voice had come through when they were giving the descriptions of the matches. Uh, the voice I remember was 2CO Cora was uh, Mel Morris, who had a deep, deep voice. And uh, then we came up to, uh, to Sydney. I went to Burnside School, and at this stage I was in uh, fifth class primary and playing in the Burnside cricket team. And this was going to be a great thing that on... Uh, 13 January 1940, age nine, I was going to come to the ground at which I'm now looking from uh, the top of one of the grandstands, the Bradman stand. What we did was uh, make preparations. My mother made sandwiches, uh, probably for enough for four or five people. And um, we got the bus from Sutherland Road to Parramatta Station. And then we got a steam train into Central Station. Nothing uh, luxurious in those days, but uh, the steam train was very good. And this was a real adventure for me. We then went down to Eddy Avenue and we got on to one of those old toast rack trams and we came out to the SCG where there were hordes of people waiting and walking in, going into the ground. And we went into the Driver Avenue entrance, around about where the start of the Bruwongal stand is these days. And they're all turnstiles there. And I can't remember the exact figure, but I think my father paid uh, two shillings, uh, no, two and sixpence for him, and a shilling for me because we were going to a stand rather than to the outer. And we turned right as we came through the turnstiles, and there were no uh, seats as there are now in front of the Brewongle and the Churchill stand. Uh, it, was, um, it was just dirt and eventually it became concrete in uh, 1946. And we walked along, my father wanted to be behind the bowler's arm. So we went down to what was then called the Sheridan stand, and it is now the Clive Churchill stand. And looking from here, I can see just about the spot where we sat. We walked up the steps, a lot of people there, but we found two seats, six rows from the back of the Sheridan stand, two seats on the aisle, and almost behind the bowler's arm. And it was a match between New South Wales and South Australia. McCabe, Stan McCabe and Don Bradman were the two captains, and New South Wales easily won the match but I only knew about that by reading in the newspapers because we only went to this one day. And there were 30,400 people at the ground that day. And uh, I said to my father, 
is that the biggest crowd? They, oh no, he said, there's been another big crowds here, but he said, it might be, and I thought it was for many years, the biggest crowd for a Sheffield Shield Day. But it turned out later on, when uh, I did some checking, that um, uh, a few years earlier, just as the team was being chosen for the 1934 tour, there was a New South Wales-Victoria game here, and they made it into a test trial because they were choosing the side that night. And Bill Brown, on that occasion, made 205 and beat Jack Fingleton for a place in the 1934 side. But back to uh, 1940, I was nine years of age, and on the way in from the turnstiles and on the way up to those seats I've talked about, we bought um, some bottles, some small bottles of Blue Bow Orange Cordial. And that was the big thing in those days, and very nice they were too. So they went with the corned beef sandwiches and uh, what my mother called mock chicken sandwiches that we had there, and we had a good day. But I didn't quite know what was going to happen because I'd, all I'd done to this date was follow my father around with Central Cumberland and watch what happened in the grade match. Now, here suddenly, we've got two captains coming out and they toss and Stan McCabe won and decided New South Wales would bat. And they were two very, very strong teams and it was a lovely day as well. You had this white strip of turf in the centre of the ground and my father said, well, it looks as though uh, it's going to be a very good batting pitch so it's a good toss to win. Uh, but uh, he said there will be some spin. He said there are a lot of spinners playing in the side. The two teams, um, very strong teams, uh, Mort Cohen opened the batting uh, for New South Wales with Harold Mudge. Stan McCabe was at three, Sid Barnes four, and Arthur Chipperfield five. Ron Saggers, oddly enough, was six. Now, that is an oddity because Saggers was, was to become the second wicketkeeper for Australia, mm. but he was in such good batting form for Marrickville that they put him in the side even though Stan Sismi was in as the wicketkeeper. So Saggers is uh, at six. At seven was Bert Cheatham, who played in the services side later on. And uh, at eight, Cess Pepper. Uh, nine, Ginty Lush. Ten, Bill O'Reilly. And eleven, Stan Sismi. And um, the twelfth man for New South Wales was um, Bendy Carmody from Mossman. Then uh, South Australia, they had Ken Ridings as their opening batsman. Now, uh, Ken Ridings was the brother of Phil and he was um, sadly killed in action uh, during the war in Europe, flying, uh, flying across the Channel. And um, with him he had Tom Close opening, and I played against Tommy Close uh, in a match in 1949 later on, but he was also a left-arm spinner as well as an opening bat. Dick Whitington batted at number three, and uh, Bradman was at four, Badcock five, Hammond six, Merv Waite was seven, Charlie Walker eight, uh, Frank uh, Chloe Grimmett was nine, Frank Ward ten, and a fella called Gar Burton was eleven. And they'd pulled him from nowhere because I think it was Harold Cotton who had strained a muscle and couldn't play. So they were the two teams and their 12th man was Phil Ridings.
so often 12th man, about 19 times he was 12th man for South Australia, one of the greatest fielders Australia has ever had. So New South Wales went out there and I was captivated, uh, not by uh, Gar Burton and Merv Waite who opened the bowling, but by this little guy who bowled in a cap. And uh, that was Clary Grimmett. And he came on, he was on pretty early. Bradman tested to see if there was any, any turn for the ball. And Grimmett took six for 118. And it's the most single thing I would think that wanted me to be a, a leg spinner. Because I went home that night, it was pretty dark by the time we, we got home. But uh, the next morning, I was trying to bowl leg spin up against the uh, brick wall at the back of our house at uh, Parramatta. The New South Wales side did uh, did well enough, but Grimmett bowled them out, and the two balls stuck in my mind. Um, Barnes and Chipperfield were out for some uh, from successive balls, and Barnes was uh, beaten by what seemed to me to be just simply a straight ball. And then Chipperfield came out and tried to force the ball off the back foot and was left stranded and struggling because the ball kept on going and zipped off the pitch. And I said to my father, they're both out to straight balls. Well, he said, probably it's the ball Grimmett bowls that looks like a leg break, but goes straight on. He's got a special ball that he uses and the batsmen have a great deal of trouble picking it. Oh, I said. Uh, that's even more interesting about Grimmett. Uh, late in the day, we left before the close of play. Uh, we saw Ginty Lush take uh, two wickets. He got Ken Ridings and uh, he got Tom Close. And then Whitington and Bradman came together and they were, there was something like uh, two for 50 at stumps, but we left when it was two for 20, 25, got onto the toast rack tram, steam train and back to Parramatta. So for me, it was, a, it was a, a wonderful day on a ground, I'd never been here before, and um, a ground that was just so big, mm. almost impossible to believe mm. that a, a cricket ground could be that big when you play at Cumberland Oval and all the other grave grounds. Mm.